Hello and welcome to our At Any Rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Market Strategy team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Markets Strategy team. Saad, thanks for joining. Pleasure to be here. Last week, we talked about the focus on rising US rates, which have been driving our markets in, in emerging markets, and how we should consider that when, if we should be fading those moves. Um, you know, we had described and thought that this move in US rates has a somewhat self-limiting element. You get a tightening of financial conditions, which may lower growth and in inflation forecasts. But we also discussed that um, there was a lack of risk premium in EM. We had not, as we said, seen any panic at the disco um, compared to the magnitude of the moves that we had seen both in nominal and particularly US real yield uh, moves. And also, we talked a bit about supply concerns, which are less self-limiting, as well as some of the moves in uh, oil markets. So a week on from that, and there is at least some in the EM disco who are uh, maybe not yet outright panicking, but certainly looking a bit more nervous than they looked last week. So let's try and update our thoughts on how we're looking at EM fixed income at this point. Um, so to start, Saad, you know, what's been going on in local markets in, in the last week? How have we traded in this, this latest leg? So we had outlined two new shocks that were being faced by emerging markets in last week's podcast. Uh, and, our, and there we highlighted both the rise in U.S. Treasury yields, which was clearly a big one, but also the very sharp increase in oil prices was having Im an, an impact as well. Now, since then, we've seen them go in opposite directions. So, you know, U.S. Treasury yields, especially after we avoided the government shutdown over the weekend, we saw another leg higher in U.S. Treasury yields. Oil, on the other hand, has uh, staged a pretty dramatic reversal, uh, falling well below uh, $90 now. But in terms of the emerging market assets response to this, uh, as you said, there was more nervousness this week. So we did see an acceleration of the sell-off, both in currencies and in rates. You know, Colombian peso, Mexican peso, all of these currencies selling off by you know, between 3 to 5 plus percent. So uh, there's clearly been a sense that we entered a bit of a new phase of the sell-off over the last few days. Now, again, it's hard to say when we're going to see the top of treasury yields, you know, maybe we're quite close to the end. Maybe it's already done. There may be some more to go. Hard to have conviction. But um, what I can, what we can see is that the price action seems to be following less necessarily fundamentals and more about positioning being unwound. You can see that in other EM assets as well. For example, EM equity ETF outflows also taking hold. So in sum, more nervousness, a bit more disorderliness. It's not a classic EM panic in the way that we're used to in recent years, but uh, it, it certainly has seen to um, been in a new phase over the last few days. And uh, sort of the 
the way we'd outlined it as a top-down perspective was there was a move in U.S. rates to happen here. We step out the way. We look to re-engage on the other side. Um, do you think that's still, you know, the way you're thinking about it? Has this last week made you reassess that? Or is this just typically that last part where you do get the risk premium come into EM, you do get a bit more of a, a sort of capitulation on some positions? Um, so are you thinking similar lines or we should be thinking that we're entering a new regime and we need to rethink. Yeah, so as we had discussed over, I think, the last several podcasts that whether a rise in U.S. Treasury yields, a rise in rates, have, you know, the kind of impact that has on emerging market assets really depends on the context. So is it driven by a better kind of growth outlook in the U.S., which will necessitate some type of adjustment in rates, but ultimately we're talking about a better global growth outlook, something that should keep risk assets supported, or are we talking about U.S. rates rising because inflation is stickier and the Fed might have to do even more? So it was very context-specific. Now, what we had outlined was that you know, we'd step aside because there's an initial digestion that needs to take place, initial re repricing that needs to take place as uh, yields move higher. But ultimately, it's going to be something that gives an entry point to re-enter into kind of bullish positions, either in rates or in FX, you know, depending on, on the specific market. I, I don't think really much has changed on that front. You know, the big risk for me really was if oil prices were to continue moving higher and would pose a new, not only inflationary shock, but a growth negative inflationary shock, given it's coming from a supply side uh, driven rise in oil prices, that would be clearly bearish for EM risky assets. And it would mean we'd need to reconsider the whole strategy about viewing these sell-offs in treasuries as an entry point. But to the extent that oil prices now have come back down, uh, it's uh, I think that plan A, which we had outlined, to me seems more or less intact. Now, how you tactically execute that is a slightly different question. But I think the overall, uh, you know, thematically, that we should be thinking about this uh, repricing primarily as something to fade because the fundamentals are still relatively solid. I think that's still, uh, for me, um, uh, you know, intact. In Great. Yeah, I tend to agree on that as well. I think this is sort of following the lines of what we had seen, and the last bit is is often quite panicky, but overall the framework still seems to hold. Um, but we also laid out last week a bit more of a bottoms up, how to differentiate here and, and a framework for thinking about which countries and moves do we want to chase, where do we fade and where do we, we step aside. So how has that been evolving for you over the last week? So I think the way that we laid it out in terms of when you're faced with uncertainty, when you think there's potentially more to go in this technically driven sell-off and you're looking for some you know, asymmetric risk reward trades, you know, we were bucketing in 
those places where we want to be fading, where the prices have gotten very cheap and the fundamentals are unchanged, those markets where you want to be stepping aside. So stepping aside usually is about the beta trades. You don't want beta trades in these types of volatile environments that don't have a strong kind of country-specific anchor or alpha story underpinning them. And then we had a chase bucket for those markets where even in a good environment, the upside was quite limited and there was you know all the risk rescued towards more downside. I think over the last week, we've probably had more markets entering that fade bucket. Now, one good example of that is to look at our EMFX risk appetite index, which over the, over the years has provided a reasonably reliable guide uh, as to when things are just getting too panicky. We were very close to being in oversold levels uh, at the end of last week. And if price action for this week is any guide, we're probably even closer, if not already, uh, heading towards those oversold types of levels. So that would suggest that we're getting to levels in those countries and those currencies where we had, you know, strong, solid, fundamental reasons uh, to to be uh, to be bullish. That your pricing now is looking quite attractive. So I would put in that category some of the high yielders like Mexico and Brazil, for example. Um, and and those are have gotten uh, cheaper. The step aside, well, we'd already stepped aside from a lot of those that we had felt were mostly carry plays that without having a strong alpha opportunity. And in the chase category here, I don't think there's really a lot left. You know, we had um, entered uh, or, you know, so, or exited some bullish positions and held on to some bearish positions that we had, especially at the short end of yield curves, where central banks we thought already were a little bit on the fence, didn't have space to cut, might have been hiking. You know, we had pairs at the short end of the shekel curve, for example. But I wouldn't chase really anything here, given the price action that's taken place over the past week. So uh, in short, I think we're more in the fade bucket now. And the step aside and chase buckets have grown a lot smaller uh, over, over those last few days. But turning towards credit, Johnny, you know, last week it seemed to be the most unreactive market to some of these external shocks and risks that we had discussed. It seems to be catching up a bit uh, this week. Uh, how would you characterize developments in the credit markets of late? Yeah, so I think we, we've clearly seen a bit more movement, but I wouldn't characterize it yet as anything that... Uh, really makes the asset class look cheap or have in you know a lot of risk premium. Just to, to give some context for that, uh, we have now had a 50 basis point move from the tights in EM sovereign spreads. Uh, so the tights were were in the summer, and 30 basis points out of the 50 happened in the last week. So not much happened, and then something is happening here. Um, so you know signs that risk premium are building. I think we have to recognize the starting point was quite expensive spreads uh, in our, some of our fair value models. These were the most expensive in a decade. Um, and that's because we typically use a sort of two-factor model, which has a growth proxy with, let's say, manufacturing PMI in it and a financial conditions proxy, which has something like 10-year US real yields in it. Um, and 10-year US real yields have just had a 90 basis point move higher. 
so actually, spreads are still looking quite expensive when you look at those kinds of fair value models. Um, but nevertheless, we've started to move. The move is more or less in line with US high yield uh, and European high yield over the last week, um, which sort of means we're level pegging with, with other comparable asset classes. Uh, and actually, when you look at it um, on spread terms, the more high yield part of EM, the distressed, has moved more. But in beta terms, actually, it's the lower spread stuff which has moved more. Um, and you can see why some of that would be the high spread, as we've talked about many times, is very high in EM sovereigns, and the low spreads is very low. And when you get a move like this in treasuries, your total return can start impacting your spread a bit more uh, in that low spread. And they've actually moved as a percentage of spread more than the, the high yield. Um, so something there, I you know, we are also, I think, in credit, we would also look at the risk appetite index, even though it's an FX one. Uh, it's it's often been a reasonable signal about the overall state of that. And as you mentioned, we are a whisker away from being oversold. And maybe that will give us more of a, a concrete sign that the market can bounce. And stepping away from short-term price action, next week we have the IMF and World Bank annual meetings in Marrakesh. You'll be attending those meetings. Uh, what are you expecting to, um, to discover there, Johnny? What are the types of topics and issues that are unresolved in the minds of EM investors uh, that you think are going to come up? Um, clearly, debt restructuring has been a recurring topic and theme at these meetings uh, in the last uh, in the last few ones that we've had, are you know we've made some progress there, but you know today there were some some headlines on on Zambia as well. Uh, how are we faring in that space overall? Yeah, so as you say, it's it's usually quite a good time to take a step back um, and think about some of those longer term themes for for EM. Uh, clearly, debt restructuring is an ongoing topic around whether. The architecture uh, needs evolving, how the countries specifically are going in that. And we will have, you know, a number of discussions around that. And I'm sure the official policymakers will be as well. Um, I'm quite interested, actually, to hear from some of the monetary policy uh, representatives in emerging markets to really try and get a sense of how they are thinking about this move in U.S. financial conditions and U.S. yields. and you know, you could argue there was a sense that emerging market policymakers were getting ahead of the US in cutting because they felt that there would be a, a Fed coming behind them and almost validating that cutting cycle uh, by the Fed moving. You know, if we look at what was priced into the market, you know, several months ago, it was a Fed that was cutting and, and that could, you know, in the end, helps the emerging market policymakers uh, but if that's not going to happen and U.S. yields uh, are going up, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they are paying attention to that and how much that is uh, going to change their own views. Um, I think the short term sentiment is often not a great guide of what happens next. Uh, if we remember this time last year, uh, it was a very bleak moment. And actually, the sentiment around these meetings and conferences was very bleak uh, and probably uh, as we were on the way home, the market started rallying. So uh, I think, you know, uh, we often get a, a sentiment reading of what has just happened rather than what is about to. But what there is, is a getting together of 
countries with uh, official sector, and that often leads to uh, a period or a, 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 a time to try and finalize either uh, official sector uh, packages or make progress on debt restructuring. So we may see some more consequential headlines around some of these ongoing situations uh, in the next week. Uh, there was a headline around uh, Zambia. Uh, uh, you know, I think we'll need to see how that goes. Obviously, Zambia's had an official sector agreement as reported a few months ago. Uh, we felt like we were waiting for the private sector negotiations really to start in earnest, but this is not a, a, a public process. So uh, we'll wait to see uh, what really comes out in terms of concrete steps around that as well. But there may be others uh, where there will be uh, discussion and maybe progress. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan at any rate emerging market focused podcast. Thank you, Saad, for joining today and thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 5th of October 2023.